I'm so excited to talk to you about typewriter today because there are so many movie references <laughs> packed into this gorgeous little package of um, an adventure. Um, and, you know, for me, in a nutshell, it's Seinfeld, it's Wizard of Oz, it's Braveheart, it's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. There Ooh. is so much going on. I love it. Cool. Well, you're going to have to clue me in because I didn't even have half of those. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we're here together. <laughs> hey, Bluey, Calypso's telling a story. Ooh. But first things first, we open with Bluey typing on this little typewriter and sort of making the ching noise. Now, uh-huh. now, did you ever have a typewriter in your home as a child, Mary? Oh, we had a dot matrix printer, which I remember being similarly noisy. Um, oh, my but God. Possibly not a typewriter. <laughs> I just remembered, though, didn't we give you a typewriter at some point <laughs> yes, in uni? I, I had, yeah, you asked about then, but now I have a typewriter yeah, because my amazing oh my uni God. friends gave me one yes. and I continue to take it around all my houses as I move around and don't remind age I own it. Okay. <laughs> But I love it. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. So can you, for the people listening, describe the typewriter that we got you? Yes, it is gorgeous. It is self-contained in a case, not quite as old as the one Bluey uh, starts this episode playing with, um, but just as much do-do-do-do-ching kind of action. <laughs> um Look, uh, you know, this isn't this is no criticism of you and um, <laughs> my fellow friends who got this for me. I think it might have been secondhand when you got it. Oh, like, yeah, I'm it not was. calling you cheap. <laughs> we uh, were, yeah, it's, we it's, were it's, so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can even get a new typewriter, so that is fine. Um, but yeah, Scream seventies, nice hard plastic case. Haven't I? I, I realised, yeah, I should be getting it out for the boys to play with, but. I have tried on several different occasions to source the tape that goes in it that makes it a typewriter ah. rather than just a very um, heavy, heavy weight. <laughs> and it is still just a very, very heavy weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry for giving you the trog present that you've been dragging around for all these years. No, <laughs> but, I um... love it. I wouldn't take it if I didn't love it. <laughs> Uh, we had a typewriter growing up, though, that I remembered playing on, and I, I, I'm going to have to ask my mum and dad if they've still got it lying around somewhere because, yeah, I think maybe that started a love of writing. I definitely remember doing lots of chings uh, with it myself, uh, writing lots of, like, little stories on it as well, but it was so annoying when you made a mistake, like, <laughs> compared to Microsoft <laughs> Word. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are definite downsides to typewriters, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, such a fun tactile kind of toy for a kid. I can definitely see why there is one at the Calypso School of Dreams. Mm. And this isn't even the first time a typewriter's popped up in the Bluey verse because when we recapped 
Um, butterflies. We heard from some of the Ludo team that poor little bug on the wall, the ding jing in that was inspired by Joe Brum seeing a couple of the kids on recording set, I guess, um, playing with a typewriter and kind of making that sound and making a song out of it. And that's where it came from. So so typewriters are everywhere in the Blueyverse, or at least in two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere. (laughs) There once was an old dog who had sat on a chest by the side of the road for all his life, begging for treats. Bluey's typing is interrupted when Chloe comes over and says Calypso's telling a story. Now, I thought the story itself, Mary, I mean, for me it was a metaphor about, you know, the chest was actually like chest as in where your heart is rather than the box that you're (laughs) sitting on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like your treasure is in your chest, so in your heart perhaps. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe. I like that. What about um, you? What were your thoughts? Yeah, or- yeah, similar, I guess. Um, yeah, I was getting that very much, you know, Wizard of Oz vibe, even from the little Calypso story that um, the thing you seek is already within you kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, the, in your heart and chest would be pretty, pretty good overlap to that. But I must admit I had Bluey's response as well. Yeah, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why didn't the old dog look in the chest sooner? I'm not sure. Well, I'm going to write a story where he looks in the chest straight away and eats all the treats. But, yeah, I it made me think of, yes, I am such a bluey and many stories along these lines where, you know, the, the point of conflict is something like that that would be so easily solved. I remember being in, like, Year 11 literature and telling my teacher that Tess of the D'Urbervilles really should have just spoken to Angel and sorted it out and it all would have been fine. <laughs> and she kind of just backed away slowly, like I think you missed the entire point of this book. <laughs> if only Kathy had said to Heathcliff, get your ha- act together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, if only yes. Lizzie had said to Darcy, you know, also Why? get your act together. <laughs> yeah, actually, this would solve Possibly most of literature and also humankind, if just more men were told to get their act together. Um, uh, very much along the same line. I don't know. We saw the first episode of Bridgenden together yes. and um, I put in the hours and hours it took to get to the big reveal at the end of that. And, yeah, I think um, that could have been resolved a lot more efficiently. <laughs> If uh, the bluey um, approach of it doesn't even make sense, it's been applied a bit earlier. <laughs> well, uh, I was glad you brought up Bridgerton because an early, not even a quite, we know that now, but yeah, I was thinking after we recapped Library recently, you know, like that series is just, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, like there's some hot and heavy going on in the library that, like, just has tainted my entire views of of those uh, (laughs) establishments now. (laughs) 
Anyway, this this is quite off track, but yes, yes, I think you're on the same page as Bluey as well. You're not surprised the story didn't quite land for Look, the kids. Uh, it didn't quite land for me, to be honest. Like, yeah, I wasn't quite. I had to think about it for a while, but maybe that's the point. I don't know. I just didn't want to have to engage my brain to that level to really, you know, <laughs> delve deep, but we got there. It makes sense by the end of the episode, so perhaps we should <laughs> adventure on. Um. <laughs> hey, um, little subplot about Snickers falling over as well. We should probably mention that. But oh, yeah. This is where we learn that he hasn't learned to sit yet. Um, cute line from Bluey with, uh, well, it's going to take you longer because you are longer. <laughs> so <laughs> Such a good reason. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense. It just has to be catchy. Hey, Winton, what's wrong? Everyone keeps running away from me. Oh, no, they don't. They do. <gasps> Winton, well, why don't you come and see Calypso with us? Maybe she can help. And we also get exposed to Winton. Hey, has Winton had a voice change, Mary? Oh, I don't know. I feel he's, like he, I think he's perhaps he's just addressing his lisp. Perhaps um, <laughs> he's had some speech therapy. Possibly going well. Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't pronounced as as previous episodes. I would agree. But yeah, good question. We'll never know because they don't credit the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just I just felt that maybe um yeah we've gone from I'm a very obedient breed to you know much more articulate Winton even if he is uh, a bit of a space invader. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a, in a minute. Um, now, I guess the first little bit, um, Bluey is going back to try and right the wrong of this terrible story that she believes Calypso <laughs> has told her. Um, and now she can't find the typewriter, so she's going to go take it up with the CEO of uh, Stein School Central, uh, Calypso herself. <laughs> Go. Uh, I don't know. I'll go ask Calypso. I can't be a story writer without a real typewriter. And um, along the way, Snickers and Winton decide to join her quest. Now, this for me, straight into um, Wizard of Oz. You know, it's the lion looking for his courage. Courage. Yeah. And, yeah, and the, the tin, tin man. man looking for his heart. Yeah. Do you think they were aiming to get like four little kids on this quest and it was just too long for seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Who missed out? Like I feel like Who would have been it's probably the one dealing with emotional issues of being too close. Yeah. And whereas, yeah. It's, and wanting um, love, so maybe he's Tin Man. Yeah, true. And Scarecrow's um, physical issues maybe, so uh, like falling over. Oh, the brain, yeah, I guess so, Yeah. Yep, and Bluey is obviously Dorothy because it's her quest that everyone's joining. Mm. Okay, so maybe it's the lion that misses out. So who would need courage? Maybe that's Honey. <laughs> maybe. Oh, so if we if we write the the sequel slash fanfic to this episode, <laughs> we're bringing Honey in on the action. Hey. I reckon she'd make a great lion. She I reckon would, if she was roaring by the end of an episode, I'd be so happy. To be fair, we did see her as a lion in circus, so maybe we already have seen oh, the lovely lion. Okay, I like this. Okay. Yeah, definitely. All right. <laughs> and if you think we're crazy and how are we possibly drawing <laughs> these parallels. I must admit I didn't see it at first, but Bluey does even say, Why don't you come with me to see Calypso? That to me is just 
a line straight out of The Wizard of Oz. Um, well, they're even following a yellow road, like, you know, up the really? hill. Yeah. So. Okay. Oh, yeah, there is a path over the bridge. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> so, that, that does ring a few bells, definitely. Not made out of brick, but, you know, it's still yellow. So. Yeah. Okay. The case closed. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny, like I thought, you know, okay, Wizard of Oz parallels and it is such a good, unique story to kind of riff on Um, but it did make me think, gosh, you know, like how old is that story that it's still getting kind of cultural reference in 2021? Then uh, I looked and went, oh, yeah, well, The Wizard of Oz made in 1939. Actually, the book written in 1900, so standing the test of time. I guess it's very similar to lots of different people with different goals um, on a journey like Lord of the Rings, which we know has influenced Bluey as well. Yeah, there's like different people of different backgrounds united for one quest. Yeah, definitely. Actually, I guess it's a tale of the oldest time. Perhaps it's not that original at all. (laughs) (laughs) Although I did note the US Library of Congress uh, calls The Wizard of Oz um, America's greatest and best loved homegrown fairy tale. Um, Wow. Which, yeah. Yeah, that's like up there, I guess. Um, Kansas wasn't getting a lot of like cultural (laughs) cred until The Wizard of Oz. So perhaps. I think that's the only thing I know Kansas for is The Wizard of Oz. So. (laughs) It's definitely in the flyover states, isn't it? Yeah, I've got nothing else. Oh, Oklahoma, obviously, you know, has the musical attached. Yeah, true, yeah, true. Was The Wizard of Oz big in your kind of childhood? Yes, huge. And I just remember watching it over and over and over again when I was little. I was mesmerised by the bit where it went from black and white to colour. Yes. Yes, it was just amazing. I always fast-forwarded the bit where she went to the Wicked Witch of the West until the Wicked oh. Witch of the West was defeated. Apart from Flying that, monkey nightmares for days. Yeah, yep. yeah. But uh, no, loved loved it and loved Judy Garland. Um, just yeah, just thought it was such a beautiful movie. Um, and I loved the books too. I actually read not just The Wizard of Oz, but the one after that. I forget was had like oh. Pip or someone in it. It was like, like yeah. was it like about going through the mirror? To, back to Oz or because yeah. I know like I like The Wizard of Oz was definitely the first scary kind of movie I'd really you know that I was scared of yeah um but then yeah watching Return to Oz which yeah I don't know if that was the next book but mm. it was definitely one of the spin-offs where the wheelers were baddies with wheels on their hands and there was a bad oh. queen who took off her head Oh, wow. It's on. Um, Yeah, this like so dark. Um, Like, I think it's a cult hit now, but like probably in the 80s when I was watching it, it had only just come out. And my mum, like, oh, you know, you can watch this. It's a sequel, you know, nice and bright, like, um, like The Wizard of Oz. No, not like that at all. And yeah. I think for a long time it was the scariest movie I'd ever seen until I accidentally saw some horror films and then that was it. Wow. Yeah. I was not expecting that to go there, but, uh, yeah, wow. Oh, no, the English are approaching. Archers, ready, ready. Hold and fire. Hold and fire. 
luckily, the scariest thing in this episode, Kate, <laughs> is three scruffy little guys called the Terriers. Do you think we'll ever find out their real names? No. Like, these no. guys are the new um, Lucky's dad, aren't they? <laughs> like, yeah. They're just going to be the Terriers forever. But, I mean, how often with, like, particularly twins, like, are they just known as the twins or the triplets, I guess? And, yeah. You know, like. Totally. It's so normal. Like, um. One of my very close girlfriends, she's got uh, a young boy about Will's age and then she's got twins. And I always say, how's Richie? How are the twins? <laughs> like, you know, they're just, they're just a group. They exist together. Yep. So Absolutely. Uh, I think collectively that's fine. The thing that gets me about the Terriers, though, is that they always chant for Scotland in their little Kiwi voices. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's just adorable. And this is the Braveheart um, moment for me, Mary, because yes, when they're like, for okay. Scotland, I'm just like yep. taken back to Mel Gibson with the blue face paint and charging over the hills. So cute, but they were Romans. So <laughs> they've really got the like the 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 long term history of the United Kingdom um, just nailed. I guess actually, is Scotland in the United Kingdom? Yes. No. Yes. 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 Okay. Cool. Right. Yeah. So for now, Prince Andrew <laughs> yeah, lives yeah, there. So you know they're still hanging <laughs> oh, on by a thread. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what they're watching, or um, perhaps are they watching Braveheart at home? Let's hope not. Like that's that's even worse than well, me watching Return to Oz, fighting over boot seats and jujitsu um, car things. And I mean, that to me was just quintessential. How many arguments in childhood just over the most ridiculous things to an outsider? I'm sure you had those moments with all of your siblings, man. Oh, definitely. But I reckon it's so heightened when the kid is exactly the same age. Like if, if there's a difference, you can kind of appeal to the older one or oh, let the younger one have it or, you know, there's, there's always kind of some reason that one would get something over the other. But if two kids or three kids exactly the same age sort of want the same thing, I'm not surprised they've developed their hilarious kind of... Because you got to sit in the boot seat this morning. Even though it was my turn, because I said boot seat at breakfast before you. All right. Who gets to sit next to the tap? Like, what even is that? It's so so funny. Well, this was another movie moment for me, Mary, because um, when they're being... um, They're trying to get around the terriers and Snickers runs into the bamboo um, to the side or the skinny trees, as they like to say. I was so reminded of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, all through that sort of sequence with, you know, that um, that flash of a, a dog running behind, you know, yes. from one bamboo to the other. Where are you? <gasps> what was that? Obviously, Snickers is just loving this game. <laughs> And, yeah, it, more it reminded me of growing up and playing um, home base or forty forty or something like that because we grew up in a very um, kind of bushy block with plenty of trees to hide behind. So those kind of games, yeah, that is exactly what trees are for in my mind, just <laughs> sneak attacks on home base. And, yeah, <laughs> uh, I was as happy as Snickers watching this scene. <laughs> it's really nice as well, like, watching Snickers metamorphosized through this like because at the start when he's falling over he's like I hate being a sausage dog but you can see the sneaky smile starting to spread across his face as he's hiding perfectly behind a stick of bamboo here uh yeah he's really embracing his physical attributes uh and yeah I'm here for it love it (laughs) 
Me too. Um, and and we see so much progress from all the three quest characters in this episode um, because Bluey, as much as she's on a quest, she's also just in her element um, dealing with every issue that comes up in typical Alpha Bluey kind of <laughs> mode, um, even when they first hit upon the Terriers and they're insisting they play their game and run away from the pretend arrows, um, Bluey rolls her eyes but agrees and then just does a full, like, full-body dive into the bushes <laughs> and you're like, she, you know, yes, she's rolling her eyes but she has committed to this. And then again when Winton's got so many questions about how he should um, scare away a terrier by being gluten free. She just, she just doesn't miss a beat. Like always with the answers. So I think that's kind of pretty deliberate. That yes, she's trying to solve a problem, but she's solving everyone solve a problem for herself. But she's solving everyone else's problems at the same time. And um, yeah, it's no surprise that the solution might be in her heart all along too. Um, let's go through Winton and his space invader nature. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Winton's problem is possibly the most unique. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, the fact that I, I love that Bluey is straight on to knowing what his problem is and that's, that he's a space invader Um the, the name, I guess, is like the classic arcade game, Space Invaders. But, yeah, I think it meant more to you than it did to me. It, well, um, it actually, Mr. McMahon, because uh, he just watched it with me before I jumped on the pod, <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, it's Seinfeld's close talker. Now, um, now, people like me who have actually watched quite a bit of Seinfeld would probably be like, of course it is. Um, but for those of you who are not um, familiar with um Seinfeld, let me fill you in. So uh, one of Elaine's boyfriends on the show was um, a guy called Aaron at one point and uh, he was played by Judge Reinhold who you might know from the Beverly Hills Cop movies. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, so his whole shtick uh, for this episode was Jerry's parents are over but um, and Jerry's trying to get some time alone in the apartment but um uh, Elaine brings her boyfriend over and he's a close talker. So he's nice, but he's a close talker. And so like hilarious watching this physical comedy because he is actually really lovely, but everything comes across as super threatening because he's just like, I'll take you to the museum, like right up close. <laughs> you know, how about I give you behind the scenes tour? Um, and it's just Perfect. Um, he actually was nominated for an Emmy Award after this role. Whoa. Yeah, so it was just um, received so beautifully at the time. Um, and, yeah, the whole episode I think was called The Close Talker or something like that. So um, knowing that we've seen quite a bit of like Seinfeldy references in other episodes uh -huh. of Bluey, I, I don't think this is a coincidence. I think... Um, maybe it was observed in some kids or something that, you know, it's a bit annoying. I think Winton has definitely been inspired by Aaron, Elaine's boyfriend, who's the close talker. Um, I'd put money on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that, yes, hilarious in Seinfeld, but in this episode a pretty plausible thing to be happening in the playground as well. Yeah. <laughs> like the things that kids 
do and get annoyed by. Um, yeah, I, I reckon this is something that's, that's happening in playgrounds as we speak. <laughs> well, um, it's it's really interesting way of explaining to kids without shame how their behaviour impacts on other people. I loved this, um, you know, it was a very factual explanation from Bluey. I've been listening a lot, Mary, surprise, surprise to my friend Brene Brown <laughs> and her <laughs> podcast Dare to Lead, but she just did this episode with um, Ico Bethea on um, uh like sort of about diversity and equity and inclusion in the workplace. Mm. And one of the things that they were talking a lot about is that one of the big drivers that stops people from embracing change is shame. So when you shame someone about an action that they're doing, they're actually a lot less likely to change their behaviour. And they were going through in a very step-by-step way about how if you really want to affect change, you really need to adopt this coaching mindset where basically, you know, you ask people what they're doing and then you explain to them how it actually landed and then you sort of quiz them on, you know, maybe what things could we try to avoid that outcome. And I actually was thinking about that when I was watching this because, um, you know, if Bluey had just gone straight to Winton and gone, Stop being a space invader, you know, like he probably would have got like shut down, felt a bit confused, more isolated. But the way that he said, why don't people like this? And she tells him how it's landing. She's like, well, you're a space invader. You know, most people stand this close and you actually stand this close. Gave him the window to understand that that behavior wasn't okay and he changed it. Hey, listen, look. (gasps) I'm not a space invader. So beautifully done and so efficiently done as well but yeah I reckon I reckon as much as any little you know four or five six-year-olds take notes yeah (laughs) possibly not as many notes as we take but yeah I reckon I reckon it would the message would hit definitely yeah well I mean dead elite is like for business professionals so yeah I'd much rather watch a seven seven minute episode of bluey (laughs) than than have to listen to an hour and a half podcast but you know uh, same message in both (laughs) perfect (laughs) I've said bluey's got all the answers but uh, at the bridge as they're sort of at their final kind of getting through the last line of defence of the Terriers, Bluey is out of ideas and um, and the leadership almost flips because Winton is just there with the answer and I love it. Pling, 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 pling. How are we going to get past the arrows? Use a shield. But I don't have a shield. Use this one. Oh, thanks. Hang on. I actually watched this episode with subtitles on, Mary, because <laughs> someone's turned the, the subtitles on my ABC Kids app and I can't work out how to get them off. But anyway, it's quite informative because okay, yep. the um, padoing is, is actually <laughs> said multiple times, padoing, padoing, padoing. Very good. Uh, yeah, it was very cute. Um, yeah, and that's because she's got her invisible shield uh, now and the Terriers seem really stumped by this move. Like, oh, they were the ones that said pretend at the start. So, yeah, they <laughs> they have created this uh, situation and, yeah, and it's uh, very noble that the Terriers then do just stand aside because what can you do against <laughs> an invisible shield? <laughs> it's great. Hey, I'm shooting bullets and arrows at you. Yeah, and I'm bedoinging them with my shield. Oh, no. 
Um, yeah, so cute. Um, and yeah, I loved the Bedoins. Like as much as Winton has come to Bluey's aid there, she, it just gets her straight back in the driver's seat with her Bedoins and yeah, and balance is restored in the world again. It's great. I love it. And then, um, when they're running over the bridge, yeah, I was kind of maybe getting, I don't know, like three Billy Goat Gruff sort of vibes. Well- yeah, they were like the trolls under the bridge, mm. the um, the little terriers. <laughs> and then Snickers is that last big uh, billy goat, I guess, that just <laughs> runs in. Snickers, now! Sausage, now! Oh, 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 yeah! Sausage roll! <laughs> a sausage roll's a universal thing. Like, would Americans and, you know, the rest of the world see that and go, yeah, I know why sausage roll is a funny thing to say, like even beyond a sausage dog rolling. I don't know either. (laughs) I'm trying to think about the UK. Um, Like pasties are definitely a thing. I don't know about a sausage roll. They might call them other things. Perhaps everyone needs to know that a sausage roll is pastry pastry delight. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically sausage meat wrapped up in delicious pastry. And yeah, baked. which which sounds almost like a hot doggy type thing, but it's it's not quite a hot dog. But it's um, it's more like it is mid- delicious. You can get them at all petrol stations, and you put sauce on them. Is probably everything you need to know yeah, about a tomato roll. sauce, not barbecue or mustard oh, or yeah, anything like true, that. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd say that they're the staple food of people on road trips. Bakeries are usually like, you know, a, a well-heeled um, bakery would have like a distinguished sausage roll on offer for oh, its definitely. patrons. Like, yeah, classic tradie breakfast. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but very, very in kind of Australian culture as well. Like um, I'd say most people would know the Australian uh, band ACDC and their classic, like it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll mm. the um there is like a version of that that goes it's a long way to the shop if you want a sausage roll <laughs> which is hilarious to every Australian um <laughs> I think um they're a good like 2am get them from the 7-eleven if you're a bit um <laughs> what's, the, what's the word happy <laughs> yeah yeah definitely Happy. Oh, in any state, really, at 2 a.m., you, you need a sausage roll, whatever you're doing. <laughs> it just soaks everything up. They're really great. Um, um, so, yes, Snickers is the perfect little sausage roll and it's the perfect kind of final frontier of this quest. But, of course, Bluey still hasn't solved her problem and continues up the hill without her little quest mates. Um, yeah, how did you think Calypso played this hunt for the typewriter, Kate? Um, look, I'm just going to come out and say it. I was a little bit annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Because, like, after all that. Because she gives this beautiful, like, you know, heartwarming, you know, uh, typewriter must be around here somewhere. Actually, how did you get past the terriers? That's a lovely shield. What if I asked you to show me a typewriter? I was like, this is genius. This is so great. But the first few times I watched the episode, I didn't realise that that final shot of her sitting on the chair, I just thought it was this weird back shot of her. I didn't (laughs) realise that the wind was lightly blowing the blanket up on on the chair that she was sitting on and you could see the typewriter under her. And then when I realised that moment, I was annoyed. Because I was like, 
Because she's, she's gaslighting Louis. Bluey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she okay. took it and now she's pretending she doesn't know where it is. This well, is not the truth, she... Calypso, I know and love. Okay. Well, so your in honesty is always the best policy camp. I guess I do fall more in the sometimes you need to give an evasive <laughs> answer that isn't technically a lie and Calypso's line, well, it's around here somewhere is a line that I use all the time <laughs> when the kids are looking for something that I do not, you know, the noisiest toy in the house or whatever it is. And even if you know full well where Chattermax is, <laughs> if the kids looking isn't up to finding it, there is no way <laughs> I'm going to be dishing out that information. So I can kind of understand where Calypso is coming from and obviously she's got a higher goal in mind. <laughs> Okay, so, but that that wind blowing the curtain thing was what tipped me off that, oh, this whole thing is Wizard of Oz themed because mm. it's pay no attention to the man behind the curtain and oh. kind of uh, revealing the whole ruse that Calypso's the Wizard of Oz and so I don't how, know how, how did far she this do metaphor it, can go. <laughs> like, you know, because she's telling the story, Bluey goes back and the typewriter's already gone. And Calypso was telling the story. Oh. So did she have a did she flying have, monkey? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think she had a flying monkey. That must be it. <laughs> or a good witch. Oh, this takes it in a different, difficult place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, good question. I guess Bluey and Chloe chatted for a while. Mm. Yeah, I've got nothing. It's one of those mysteries Very of mysterious. the Bluey-verse. Okay, typewriter, where is it? But, um, yeah, I was just annoyed for Bluey because, you know, I was like, <laughs> like, just it's right there. Um, I guess the flip side of um, that is the message that Calypso wants Bluey to take away but that creative people could possibly take away as well, that, that there is a mindset that you kind of have to overcome when you start writing or anything really that you need the perfect equipment, the perfect writing room, the perfect kind of, you know, everything, the stars have to align before you can sit down and create this perfect piece of art. The perfect <laughs> like, sound like, quality on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say like we do, we take a very <laughs> spiritual approach to this podcast and line up every bit of feng shui before we start recording. There's a lot of bamboo. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, the the flip side is very much you just have to start and there's an amazing um, – Oh, I haven't listened for so long. This American Life is hosted by a guy whose name I can't think of right now. Um, oh, Ira Glass. Yeah. So This American Life is hosted by Ira Glass and that is, you know, kind of the gold standard of what podcasts should be. And he has an amazing um, speech that he gave that's been used time and time again and it's very shareable about how when you start creating you're gonna hate it and you just have to start and it doesn't matter <laughs> what you start on and it doesn't matter how pristine or otherwise your typewriter is but it's starting that matters and I think Calypso really tapped into that for Bluey that she could tell the story without needing anything she could just get started and and that's what she did so wow. I took that away and I really loved that that's a lovely typewriter isn't it yeah it is 
Thanks, Calypso. I'm going to write my story now. That is such an interesting angle, Mary, because I've instantly been transported back to our interview with Joe Brum when we first went to Ludo. I remember how we were talking to him about how you get past the terrible first draft. Uh-huh. And he was saying so often it's really, really difficult. Um, he cuts it up and and changes it all around. But, yeah, knowing that the first draft is going to be terrible but you get it out and then you can work with it. I wonder if Joe Brum has a typewriter, do you think? I, I mean, who has typewriters? Doesn't like Tom Hanks have like only write things on typewriters or um, I don't know, there's a couple of Hollywood stars and uh, Jamie in Love Actually writes his whole bloody book <laughs> on a typewriter. Jamie. Terrible, terrible Uncle Jamie. It can be a real kind of um, like big dog move kind of thing that um, if you're writing on a typewriter, I like I remember being at uni and loving reading about um, Jack Kerouac and he wouldn't just get like the normal kind of reel of paper. He'd get one that was 10 times the size, just paper, 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 because he knew he just had so much genius to put on the page and he didn't have time <laughs> to stop and change the reel of paper and um, it would be this huge tome at the end and... Yeah, so it's kind of you, you, you're going in confident, I think, is what I'm saying, if you're writing on a typewriter and taking that approach. But whether it always it always delivers, I like Bluey's newly discovered approach best. Yeah, it's <laughs> taking the cloud to a whole new level. <laughs> the cloud, the head cloud. <laughs> no, we've got so much going on in the head I love cloud. It. It's just getting it out that's the problem. Yep. <laughs> Just quick notes on music. Um, I was definitely sensing like some homage to Follow the Yellow Brick Road from Yes, definitely. And then we have this lovely bit where it changes. So when we see the Terriers, um, there's like this trumpet fanfare um, Mm -hmm. to sort of signal almost like this battle sort of moment. It's a trope that you see in so many of those, um, you know, brave hearts and things like that where there's like a war scene. Every battle, yeah. Needs a fanfare. (laughs) But then there's this other little musical thing that I picked up and that was when Snickers is running through the bamboo and it's because this whole bamboo scene really just changes complete pace compared to what's going on outside that little skinny tree forest. Yes, definitely. And it's only a few notes going down, but I'm pretty sure it's like a modal scale that was associated with um, Asian music in the Impressionist oh, eras of sort okay. of the, um, the early 19, sorry, late 1800s to early 1900s. And it was, um, they used different scales because um, a lot of composers, particularly in Europe, uh, travel opened up um, with the Suez Canal and things like that. So they were getting a whole lot of new musical instruments from Asia um, and that was being then incorporated into their music to sort of bring in these cool. like very cool new notes and it was very exotic for the people of Paris at the time. And <laughs> I uh, imagine. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine like hearing um, like a gamelan or something for the first time ever and you'd just be like, what is this amazing thing that, you know, it just sounds so different from every violin and piano I've ever heard. So, um, yeah, it's only a few notes but I think that those um, – chords sort of uh yeah really hint to that sort of that crouching tiger hidden dragon sort of moment where are you hey (laughs) 
so and then smart. As soon as we're out of the bamboo, it returns to that triumphant, you know, um, follow the yellow brick road sort of background theme. So yeah. Apart from the humming at the end with Calypso, uh, so which, which seems I, as- I feel like a, a hum is just Calypso's thing, right? Like that's her kind of motif, kind of yeah. But there's yeah. a lot of musical depth in here, Mary. I mean, you know, I think it's one thing to write like a triumphant, we're going on the journey sort of theme for the episode, but then to have all these little interludes with like. Um, yeah, those different moments as well. It's so considered. So, oh, yeah, as so always, gorgeous. love the music. It's Yeah, well done. I think it was Joff and Joseph Twist who mm. did this one. And, yeah, what a dream team. Loved it. Loved it. Who's your, <laughs> who's your most valuable player for the episode, man? <gasps> I don't think I can go past Winton for all his close talking if – Got to love an adorable bulldog that is packing an invisible shield. Like that just <laughs> makes me so happy. <laughs> I think mine is you? Snickers, and it's only for the quotable quote sausage roll. So good. <laughs> <laughs> that was a it was a close run thing, but yeah, those two. Uh, I would go on a quest with those two any day. I love it. <laughs> Did you have a quotable quote, man? Oh, I think um, as much as I loved Calypso's um, It's Around Here Somewhere, (laughs) like for all the parents out there, Bluey is just so confident all the way through and the first sort of really confident statement she says is, I can't be a story writer without a real typewriter, which, yeah, just to perfectly sum up what I was trying to say earlier, um, yeah, the mistake that, that is so easy to make. Pretty deep coming from six-year-old Bluey. <laughs> yeah, I, I never thought of that perspective before and my mind is kind of blown by it. I need to go away and, like, sit with that for a little bit because, yeah, it's deep. Good work, man. Okay, well, you sit with that. I have some really rapid-fire mailbag to Ooh. whip through because uh, I've been letting it build up and I'm so sorry. Um, really want to say hi to 10-year-old Charlotte Um Hello, Charlotte. From Melbourne, who got in touch with this completely out of the blue with the most amazing artwork of Rad and Frisky, future Rad and Frisky, and their three little kiddos. We shared it on our socials and um, you can trawl back on Instagram and Facebook to find it. But, yeah, just um, Charlotte put in so much work for this gorgeous piece. Um, She had created the whole personalities as well as looks of the three little kids that – uh, Rad and Frisky have in the future. Um, and yeah, I've just, I think. This Maple, Penny, uh, and Bailey. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> the, my Maple only is so up, beautiful. Yeah. The only, uh, slight question I would have raised about it was, um, her amazing picture. Rad and Frisky's hair still looks very much the same in spite of having a six-year-old, an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old, <laughs> whereas we know how much Bluey and Bingo have sort of set the greys on Bandit and Chili. <laughs> <laughs> so if if it's almond milk shampoo that rescues that, I'm, I'm going to investigate this. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, just um, so gorgeous, Charlotte. Hi to her and her whole family. Another hi to a young fan, um, Lexi W checked in to say, could she get a shout out? Um, and that was way back on the 1st of January. I don't know if that was a New Year's resolution from Lexi, but she uh, wanted to let us know she was listening and, yeah, lovely to hear from you, Lexi. And 
Also, Kari in the US wanted to say she's being loving your alls. Um, <laughs> so hi, Kari down there in the south. Um, ever since I found Disney Plus, um, found Bluey on Disney Plus uh, back in lockdown in March, April last year, um, she said it's been a lifeline and even an inspiration for how she wants to treat her kids four and one. And, mm. yeah, having discovered the podcast, she's just loving deep diving the detail with us as well. And we love a detailed deep diver. Um, so it was so good to hear from Kari too. And, um, yeah, I've just, oh, what am I trying to say? I think I've just run out of words. That's okay. <laughs> Well, I think, um, I think Louis was such a lifeline for us when we were in lockdown, Mary, and now to oh, see yeah. the States and the UK and other parts of the world in these horrible lockdowns. I mean, thank goodness new episodes of Bluey are finally dropping into those parts of the world because I know it was a sanity saver for me uh, yeah. with lots of game inspiration for the kids that usually kept them occupied for, you know, at least half an hour um, you know, and then you add in a few snacks and you're halfway through the day. <laughs> so I'm really just feeling for uh, everyone out there. And yeah, we've just had another short lockdown in Melbourne here at the time of recording. So yeah, mm, stay yeah. strong. You're doing great wherever you uh, are. Bring on all the vaccines, but I think Bluey is definitely the spoonful of sugar that makes the medicine <laughs> go down possibly at this stage of the game. So Hooray for Bluey and all its magical powers. Yeah. And if you would like to experience a little bit more Bluey love in your life, we share heaps of Bluey content all across our socials. So you can find us on Twitter. We are at Bluey Podcast. On Instagram and Facebook, we are just search at Bluey Pod or look up Gotta Be Done, the Bluey Podcast. You can email us too. It's BlueyPod at gmail.com. Make sure you um, say it's okay if we can share it in our mailbag segment but we absolutely love hearing from you absolutely um kate i absolutely love talking to you this episode i think that was a bit more than we expected but you get on a quest i guess (laughs) yeah i was thinking like blake will be listening to this our movie correspondent blake and he'll probably just be like you forgot about all these other (laughs) movies that they just reference so uh Uh, we'll have to circle back (laughs) (laughs) if you uh saw one let us know as well um but yeah in the meantime, um, we'll talk to everyone next week. Thank you so much, Kate. It's been a quest. Got to be done. Bye. Wait, what question? Any question. It doesn't matter. Ask him if he's gluten-free. All right, then. Bye.